all on one station. This is WNJH HD1 Hamilton. The views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Hey guys, it is good to be with you again on Tuesday evening. Yes, the views and opinions of the host are entirely mine. And yes, they are designed to perhaps uh, present my worldview. And my worldview may or may not match up or align. Yeah, I know we're having a little trouble with the technical end of things, but we'll get it. Uh, My worldview may or may not line up with yours, but... uh, I don't want necessarily mine to line up with yours or yours to line up with mine. I want ours to line up with Jesus Christ. So why don't we begin with a word of prayer and ask him for his wisdom. Lord, we come to you. We thank you for the blessing we have to be able to even speak freely, openly concerning you. We rely on you. We ask you to, uh, Lord, bless us this evening and we give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. We have been talking about a lot of uh, discussions that have been of recent import schools opening police and support thereof and every day when i get up and i turn on anything that looks like and by the way i don't have to turn on the news i go to conservative news sources for uh just to get my information because i want to get my information and when i try to find out what's going on because i don't want to be blindsided when perhaps there's another city that's on fire because an individual was shot by a police officer and uh, i don't want to be taken back and i want to be able to pray intelligently i want to know what's going on in the world and i want to be able to encourage others when they call me and ask hey what do you think about this i don't have any idea what the circumstances are concerning the recent shootings but i have uh this to say i am a uh, lover of people lover of god of course And I am a firm believer that people are innocent until proven guilty, so I do not go out and start fires or bash people until the facts are in and they have been weighed by those who are uh, given the complete circumstances and weigh them against something that is unpopular anymore, and that is what is the law of the land. And when they look to the law of the land and say, let's apply the law to the facts and come up with a conclusion that some people have a difficult time with, and you know whether we have a difficult time with it or not, there is a system in place, and the system can be changed, and we can then change those laws, and we can make those corrections to the laws. But the laws under, uh, under which we currently live, uh, they are there and designed to protect us, and if we have issue with them, we can address them. In fact, we are given the right to redress. Some are taking uh, that advantage of that right by protesting, some peacefully, some not so peacefully. I'm not promoting riots in any sort. I am addressing those issues that may or may not be legitimate. We have laws that can be changed and we need to address them. But right now there are things that are going on and people are are rejecting the current law of the land, making their own conclusions based on limited information and reacting with violence. And I can't find anything in the word of God that says that's a good idea. I can't see anything in the Bible that says, hey, you know what, since you don't have all of the information, why don't you just go out and do whatever it is makes you feel better about yourself, set something on fire, throw a brick at somebody, especially somebody who may be wearing a uniform or is a representative of some authority, just because we, we don't certainly know all the facts, but let's go out and do that. And when the facts come in, the courts will act as they act. And, you know, as a, a man I... Uh, deeply respected. He was a Superior Court judge and a a very wise man, recently passed away, but he was a very wise man. He would say, you know, the wheels of justice, they grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. And he meant what he said. When the wheels turn, they will have their conclusion. So what is it that we're supposed to do? Well, if you have a Bible handy, will you turn with me to uh, Philippians? And we're going to just look at Uh, Philippians chapter 4 for a moment. In verse 1 of chapter 4, we read this, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. 
with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Again, right out of the gate, verse 1 of chapter 4, my beloved Longport brethren, my joy and my crown. Paul had a lot to say about joy. I don't remember how many times in just this one little letter. I think he used it like 17 or 18 times in here. He talked about joy. Um, You know, when circumstances turn ugly, when they turn bad, when we start to see things around us, we, uh, we, we can lose our joy and we can lose our focus. So I wanted to talk about this in light of what's going on around us today. People are radically divided. I have uh, several friends who are school teachers. They seem to be in the limelight right now. Schools are going to open, not open, how they're going to open, open with students, partially open. I can tell you that, you know, for families, families are uh, families are struggling with the decisions that are made. Families are going to have to have to respond and they're going to have to respond with very little time to be able to. It's almost like a react when the decision gets made. I know that a, a school superintendent had a meeting with the, the school board and the school board then met with the principal who passed it down to the teachers and said, this is the plan for reopening and handed them the plan. And as they start to look at that plan for reopening the very next day, he said, by the way, this is the new plan for reopening. And then they said, but don't carve that one too much into, um, into stone because it's subject to revision again. And it will be revised again. And the teachers are the ones that I know. They care about the students. They really do. Uh, they, they love the kids. They may have differing views on things, on how school should be or whether the classroom should be opened, but they all agree on the main thing. And the main thing is that kids are important and education is important. Here's the problem, as I see it. The fear, and not just the fear of the virus, but the fear of speaking out against those who are in authority, be it those who are in the administration or those who are the representatives of various unions, uh, they are afraid to speak out or speak their mind because they know that it will come back to haunt them one way or the other. And I thought about it, and I said, that's a problem. And the problem is that they're not of the same mind. They're, They're not all on the same page. There's too many issues that are at play here. And the biggest one, and that's what I wanted to talk about tonight, is the elephant in the room, and that is the political motivation behind different decisions. I'm not going to choose a side. I'm not going to pick a side or tell you even what my view is. Because regardless of what happens in November, our man is not going to be on the throne until Jesus Christ is seated on the on the throne in Jerusalem. Right now, we will have a president. The president will be elected by the vote of the people, and that person will be the president who will get my, uh, my support and my prayer. And I will pray for him every day as I do the president now and have every day for the president for as long as I can remember. We're commanded to pray for those who are in authority. We're commanded to pray for those who are the officials. So I pray for everyone in the local assembly, the local council, all the way up to the mayor, and then right up through the freeholders and into the governor's office, because they're the ones that impact our lives. They're the ones that make the decisions for us and for our families. Specifically, we have here in uh, in town a council, and the council makes decisions. Not only does the council make decisions, but we have a school board, and the school board makes decisions. And as the council and the school board have to uh, work should work in concert. I know there's been conflict over the years. We're not addressing that. What we're saying is as they work in concert to do what is best for the community, for education, the best outcome is when they work together toward the common goal. And as Paul is writing to a church in Philippians and Philippi, he writes to them concerning issues that they've been struggling with. Specifically, two women, Euodia and Syntyche, are at some type of a dispute. And this dispute has come to some kind of an impasse. 
it's risen to the level that somebody had to send a letter. It's beyond the church. It's beyond the pastor. It's now causing some kind of really radical division. I don't know what the radical division is, but Paul has been brought into this discussion, and they, they, it's as if they sent him a letter and said, hey, will you please decide this issue? And he doesn't you know, act with that which is the normal wisdom of the day, which would be, all right, present both sides and I'll choose which one is right and which one is wrong. But he says this in verse three, I urge you also, true companion. Now, who is true companion? We don't know the name of the person that is called true companion. Someone is is a person who walks side by side with Paul has a close relationship with these women, is invaluable in ministering to people. And he said, help these women who labored with me in the gospel and with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I implore you, Odia and Sintaichi, be of the same mind in the Lord. That does not mean you're going to be of the same mind in everything. But when it comes to the things concerning God, please be of the same mind. We can, we should be able to all agree on those things that are the absolute core issues of life. Should children be provided a wonderful education? I am shocked, I would be shocked if anyone said, no, children should not be provided the best education possible. So that's clearly not an issue. The issues come with how much should it cost, how much should we pay, what should be taught, what should be permitted, how is it going to play out. And those have always been hot-button issues. I mean, you know, you guys have been around here for a long time in this town, and you know that the school has been a hot-button issue for most of my life. It's an issue, whether it's right down to, you know, football rivalries between the high schools in town to— whether or not St. Joe is going to be able to reopen its doors this year. There have been issues with the schools uh, that uh, hurt us as a community. And when we look around, you know, we all agree that the children should get the best education possible. But there's a problem this year. And the problem is we are completely divided as to what that looks like. We don't know whether or not that should be in class or whether that should be completely socially distanced or whether that should be home taught or partial or in and out of school. And because we have have chosen that to be the issue, we're not fighting that which is the main issue. And the main issue should be we're unified together to do what's best for the kids. Because clearly people on different sides are saying you do not care enough about the children or you would think as I think. And the other side would be saying, you don't care enough about the children, or you would think as I think. Perhaps it goes deeper. Maybe you don't care about the children's families. Maybe it's not just about the children. Maybe it's about their family. And if we start to deal with their family and say, if they come home from that particular school classroom, and they have, I mean, I saw it in the Paventon Gazette, just, you know, should we care? What if the children come home and then their grandmother gets sick? People are concerned about that. Uh, again, I am not a doctor. I do not have the answers. I don't even know if there is an absolute answer. There is apparently some level of risk that is going to have to necessarily be taken in order to have children return to a classroom what that level of risk will be and how that risk will be uh, uh, managed. That's going to have to be addressed in order for schools to open. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm saddened by the fact that it has caused great pain and great division. And yes, I have you know friends who are on both sides of the spectrum and some in the middle. Of all the friends that I have that are teachers, nobody is like, as if if I could just think of six teachers that I could name, their names are coming immediately to my mind. I can't think of any two of them that say, at least we agree that this is the best way to proceed. I think that all six of them have what they dis- they perceive to be the best way to proceed. And unfortunately, their uh, whatever it is that they view is viewed as um, not not caring enough for the kids from the other perspective. And that 
needs to be addressed. I'm not addressing the issue. Again, I'm not a school teacher. I'm not a school board member. I pray for them. I pray for every student and every school teacher. What I am is a grandparent. And as a grandparent, I see what my grandchildren are facing this year. And they're facing terrible choices. Their choices are distance learning, partial school, go to school a couple of days. Uh, one of my grandchildren, the, the, in fact, a brother and sister, one is going to go to school five days a week, but only for three and a half hours a day. The other one is going to go two days a week for five or six hours a day. It's going to be a difficult challenge for them to arrange childcare. And the bigger problem is they're going to have to be really flexible with their childcare because they're not even sure that that's going to be the plan. And here we are at the end of August. I understand that this is a challenging year. I really do. But I can tell you that the kids are in the middle and that the parents are right there alongside of them. And there are many other things that are considerations. And now is not a time for stone. I don't want to say stone throwing because that, you know, although that may be an analogy, it's also can also be used as a, a peaceful protest. And I don't want to do that either. What we need to do is we need to not cast any aspersions <clears throat> upon the other persons just because they have a different perspective. I think what we need to do is we need to come to that which is the truth and the core and that which is the godly perspective. And maybe if we were all together doing what it is that we should be doing, and that is bringing unity through prayer on that which is the core truth, and as I believe is the truth of uh, God the Father who created and Jesus Christ who is the Savior of the world and mankind, that he gives us this which is the Bible that gives us uh, the opportunity to seek wisdom. And he says this not only can bring wisdom, but it can restore these relationships. And it can not only restore relationships, it can restore joy even in the conversation. I was talking to another friend just the other day, and this friend said, you know, I, I have uh, other friends of mine, some who are school teachers, and you just can't have any conversation because immediately it becomes heated and positions positions become polarized. And next thing you know, it just monopolizes the entire conversation. And then you go away saying, ah, that was really terribly draining. Instead of a time of nice comfort, refreshment, and you know, coffee and crumpets with your friend. Now it's, man, I wish I had never even mentioned anything to do with. So how does school looking like for you coming in September? Because it all of a sudden becomes a hot button. And I, I, I guess I'm just saddened because that seems to be where everybody is. We're just so polarized that we need to get back to that, which is true, which is why when I thought about what discussions and what topics for discussion. There are just so many that are immediately out there, but we, if we do not have it uh, with the balance and that which is the true center, that being the word of God and Jesus Christ, then there's no way that we can possibly come to any type of an agreement. We may not agree on that which is the, the curriculum to be taught in school, but we certainly should be able to, to agree that parents need to be involved in educating their children. We certainly should agree that a child should be given the best education that we can give them. And we should recognize that they need to be not only educated, but they need to be competitive in the job market by the time that they graduate. Those are things that as a you know, parent and grandparent that we would be concerned about. I know that there are many other things that are um, leveraged into the education system that can be divisive, but right now I don't think it's time for the divisive. Right now I think it's time for those things that are absolutely core and essential. What is it that is essential? And, uh, you know, I, I know that, that good men and women are trying to make these decisions, and I am praying for unity uh, because it's, I'd really love to see it. When he says here, I implore you, in verse 2 of chapter 4, that's a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because Paul is, Paul is an apostle. 
and he has the authority, even over the church, he could say very easily, fix the issue, take the one who's right and embrace them, take the one who is wrong and excommunicate them from the church if that's what you choose to do. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is not decide which one you want to side with. The heart of God is we need to get back to what's important. We need to get back to that which is the ministry. They labored with me in the gospel. We're all supposed to be working toward a common goal. And if we're working toward a common goal, then I believe that the peripheral issues will fall away. So he says these words, beginning in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Wait a minute. Ah, This is not a time for rejoicing. This is a time for us to draw the battle lines. Nope. Don't draw the battle lines. Get on our knees. Let's start prayer lines. Let's start people who are praying together in the community. Let's get people who are willing to say, you know, for the next 20 days or so, Uh, As school is about to open every morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray for every one of my children and grandchildren's teachers. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for the schools they attend. I'm going to pray for the administration of those schools. Everyone right down to the bus drivers and those who are the uh, facilities help in the school. Anyone I can think of, they are all critical to that which is very important to me, and that's the education and the care of my grandchildren. So how do we do this? Well, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. What does it mean that the Lord is at hand? does not mean, oh, so be careful what you say because the Lord is watching, although that's part of it. What he's saying is, why have you removed him from the conversation? Why have you rejected that which brings peace, that which can bring unity, and that's to unify in whatsoever, well, we're going to get to whatsoever things are true, that brings unity. So he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is ready. He's right here to be able to handle disputes, to bring reconciliation. Perhaps one needs to say we may be able to disagree. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to just have disagreements without being disagreeable? I, I Unfortunately, I had to read this in the Jerusalem Post. You know, I told you I have to get my news from conservative sources because I'm tired of many of the spins. And I know you're going to send me emails talking about Jerusalem Post is is biased. And yes, it is. So is the BBC. I get it. However, when it comes to things of America, they really just kind of report the news. Yeah, they have a bent and a spin, but it's just here's the facts as we see it. And it helps me to gain a clearer perspective. And one of the things that was mentioned is, why can't we disagree without being disagreeable? Why can't we just say we have differences of opinions, but yet the goals, the long-term goals, we all uh, verbalize are the same. We all want this country to be the best country. We want the best outcome we can have. Certainly, we want this disease to be uh, done away with. How do we get it done away with? Look, it's not going away today. I don't know when it's going to go away. That is something that I have very limited control over. What I have control over is what am I doing about it? Well, the best thing I can do is take the best advice I have, and that's to maintain safety and precautions, especially around those whom I care about who may or may not be um, you know, at risk specifically uh, those whom I love who are uh, seniors or well into their senior years, and I care about them. So because I care about them, I don't risk their health. Whatever my personal issues are, it doesn't matter. Whether I want to wear a mask or don't want to wear a mask when I walk into the Walmart does not matter. Walmart has a sign, wear a mask if you want to come in here. So I have, I don't know, probably at this point a dozen masks in each of my cars really has it's come to that because you try to find one that's a little bit more comfortable you're washing this one you make sure you have that one uh, my friend rick gave me a couple that have uh, wnjh radio station logo on the front of them whenever i wear that one i make sure that i don't have it on upside down because you know you got to be careful because uh, you just grab things quickly you know by the way they're the call letters of this radio station WNJH and but and the call number if you want to call in because I really do want to hear your opinions on this is area code 
954-609-593-9654. We have to take a break, and Rick is pointing at me saying, you have to shut up, so I'm going to do just that. Looking for a place to hang out with family and friends and have a great time too? Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey, is the place for you. Dave and Steve Ruberton have kept traditions of the townhouse alive and well for more than 35 years. Open daily at 4 p.m., Rocco's Townhouse has a very large selection of micro-brew beers, both on tap and in the bottle. Along with daily dinner specials, you will never walk away hungry. Looking for something different? Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar is the place located downstairs at Rocco's Townhouse. It's open every Friday and Saturday night at 7 p.m. and it doesn't stop there. Live events from some of the greatest local bands in the area make the evening better. Look to have your next event at Rocco's Townhouse and Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar. Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey is the place where everyone is meeting. Don't forget to visit them online at Rocco'sTownhouse.com or give them a call at 609 609- 9561-9384. That's 609-561-9384. Everyone meets at Rocco's Townhouse. 911 Computer Rescue is located at 11B 12th Street in Hamilton. If your computer is running slow or frozen or picked up a virus, Rob and the gang have you covered. Why call a geek when you can call a friend? Call 911 Computer Rescue at 609 609- 878-8025. That's 911 Computer Rescue, located at 11B 12th Street in Hamilton. For a slow computer that's frozen or picked up a virus, call Rob and the gang at 911 Computer Rescue, 609-878-8025. You're listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and if you uh, need the call letters again, it's WNJH, area code 609-593-9654 is the phone number. We are live, area code 609-593-9654. We want you to know that your opinions are respected here. Uh, we may uh, respectfully disagree, but that's okay because, you know, without varying opinions, we can't know all the different perspectives. I, I have one perspective. My perspective comes from a you know a conservative view. I believe that uh, my conservative view also means that as a grandparent that I've seen a lot of things just by virtue of the fact that I've been alive for a while. And as a result, I now am at a peace when it comes to certain convictions that I hold. You may have a different opinion because you may be in a different place or may be facing things from a different perspective. And if you do, I would like to hear your perspective as I am not the sole proprietor of wisdom. Uh, I know where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from above and I can find wisdom from God's word. But wisdom to facing this coronavirus, we are all navigating through that the best way we can. The waters are murky. The fog is, th- I can use any analogy I want. The fog is thick. And uh, I was just, a, by the way, just a uh, funny story. A friend of mine was talking about New Jersey drivers. And New Jersey drivers, he is, uh, he's not from New Jersey originally. He's from California. And he said, in California, when they get fog or smog, they shut down because they just don't know how to drive in it. He said, but in New Jersey, you guys know how to drive in the fog. You turn your lights on. You guys are not afraid to drive almost the speed limit or whatever we normally call a little safely above the speed limit, even in the thickest fog, because we know the guy in front of us is just following the guy in front of him, and we're all going to be okay. He said it's really refreshing to just see people who recognize that, you know, the guy in front of them does what is right. You're going to do what is right. I can rely on you to do what is right, and we can all move through the fog. I thought, man, what a great analogy. That's exactly what we need to do when it comes to getting through this coronavirus, when it comes to the issues concerning the school, when it comes to the issues concerning opening up the businesses and and those things, if we could just all get on board with the fact that we know what the right thing to do is. We each do what the right thing is, and others will be able to follow us, being able to have confidence and reliability that we're going to do what it is that is right, and we all move along. When it comes to moving in the rain, when it comes to moving in the fog, certainly we've got driving in the snow down to a science. Man, I'm, you know, this is something that gives me great confidence. You go to other states and 
any of the southern states, they get a little bit of snow and they shut down and raise their hands in the air saying, I don't know what we're going to do. You're going to go to work because it's a dusting and you don't shut down for that. I mean, I hate to call some, you know, somebody a, a, a bad name because they just are afraid to drive in a little bit of snow. But if you don't have the confidence to drive in it, stay off the roads. But here in Jersey, we're like snow. If you didn't drive in the snow, you wouldn't drive, you know, for three months out of the year. So, so as a whole, I like New Jersey. As a whole, I like the people here. As a whole, I like the people of Hamilton. I like the people in this community. I like the fact that we seem to be able to get along. That the same front page of the newspaper that that can list some some things that may or may not be controversial also lists the fact that the town clock is going to get repaired. And I'm glad to see that. You know, how many times did you drive by that clock in the center of town and say, man, I wish that told the correct time. You used to be able to rely on it. And now people are taking it seriously and they're able to get it repaired. And I'm glad to see that it's getting repaired. Uh, I, I look forward to it. I want to see those things that are uh, commonality here in the town. Because we can be that. When it comes to these things and these issues, just because this is an area where it seems a little bit foggy, if we can just trust each other to say, I may not always agree with you, but I can still be on the same track with you. We still have the same goal. We're still motivated toward the same end. That if we could do that, as long as we have the same goal and the same end in mind, I think that we will find a way to get there. Uh, Unfortunately, I, I think that there's a political component to the decisions that are being made. And when the political component comes in, it seems like it's, this is not best for my team, so therefore I'm gonna. And I lower my head because when politics get in the middle of it, then we see how decisions that could be of a great benefit for the community get either derailed or pushed back. I'm not going to give examples, but over the years, how many times have we seen things that could have potentially been a boon for the town, but may or may not have been approved or disapproved or um, because there was, at the very least, a political component that was added into the mix. And then there's the retaliation component that gets added into the mix. And whenever that happens, um, you know, we the people suffer. And we need to be above that and we need to be better than that and we need to recognize that you know there's a higher message that needs to be sent we're already suffering we're already struggling we need to recognize and do what it is that our our fathers and many of us our grandfathers did when world war ii happened it seemed as though pearl harbor was invaded and the entire country just said Stop worrying about those things that are trivial and let's deal with what's absolutely important. And they hunkered down and they did what was necessary. And was everything fair? Ah, no, it was not. Nothing is fair. Was everything fair when it came to getting the food ration cards or the ration stamps? Ask your grandparents if that was fair. And the answer is going to be no, that was absolutely not fair. Ask your parents and your grandparents that lived in the cities if it was the same for them as it was for those who lived here in the the rural areas, and they will tell you absolutely not. It was much different in both. The same was true when it came to the oil embargo of the 70s, where when we had odd, you guys thinking, oh man, this guy's really old. Yes, I am. And when we had the odd and even license plates and the last digit of your license plate, if it ended in an odd number, you could go get gas on the day that was an odd day. And you prayed to the Lord God that you had an odd number on an odd day on a Friday. So you could get gas on a Friday because you never knew if it was even going to be open on a Saturday. And nobody was open on a Sunday. And then you couldn't even get but seven gallons of gas if they had any gas at all. But yet you knew that you knew that right down the street, there's somebody driving along in their, their car, and they don't have any problem at all getting gas. And next thing you know, there's somebody who's, you know, one of your neighbors is putting in a thousand gallon gas tank, digging up his backyard and putting it in his backyard. And you say to yourself, man, what is, is life fair? No, make no mistake. Life is not fair. 
but you get through it together. You get through it together. We all just hunkered down and did what was necessary. And as a result of that, most of us, even listening today, are saying, yeah, that wasn't so bad. It was at the time. It was pretty hurtful. If you had a business and you needed to get to work, my father was a builder, and when you can only get seven gallons of gas, uh, he could get gas every day because it was a commercial vehicle, his truck. However, you still couldn't get gas even if you were allowed to get gas. And if you could get gas, you would have to spend an hour or more in a line after you've just worked 10 hours to go and wait in line to see if you could get gas because they may run out. It was a really difficult time because you're talking about feeding families. Then the Pinelands Act came in right on the heels of that in 1978 and things shut down again. We remember these things, you know, those who have been in here long enough. Then when the Whitehall move took place that devastated many families in this town. There are things that we have been through that we can look back and say, we got through this together. How are we going to get through this together? And when we do that, I think we need to look at that, which is the example And Paul writes here. And he says, so be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Oh, there you go, mentioning Jesus Christ again. Yeah, I have no other wisdom. That's the wisdom that I believe brings peace. That's the wisdom that I believe brings joy. That's the wisdom. You know, I, I have the privilege of uh, counseling couples before they are engaging in that which is the greatest decision in their adult life, and that is to get married. And I tell them very clearly, I'm not going through the counseling with you for my benefit. I'm going through it for your benefit. I'm already married. I want you to have a great marriage. And the only way I know to have a great marriage is to keep Jesus Christ at the center of it. So that all those things, those petty disputes, those petty arguments, all of them seem to fade away when we just realize what is important in our life. The commitment that I made, the commitment that my wife made, that is a strong one. The commitment my God made to me, and then of course that my wife and I have made to him, that's a strong one. So that we committed to work through those difficulties, and you work through the difficulties. Will you always agree, even with the closest person to you, your wife or your husband? Uh, I'd be shocked if you said yes. No, we don't always agree. But how do we work through it? Together, we place the problem in front of us, and then we face the problem together, whatever the problem is. And when we do that, that's when we find resolution and we find peace. Whenever we allow the problem to get between us, that's when we have the difficulty and the problems. So here we are in a society where we're not willing with our neighbors and our coworkers and our brothers and sisters, even in the same line of work or in the same boat with us, and the same boat with us can be, what do we do even about the schools? And we're in this very same boat. What do we do about it? And instead of coming together, putting the problem on the outside and collectively addressing the problem, we allow the problem to get between us. And then we start to attack each other because of their defense of their position on the subject. And it's, it does not seem to be very helpful and it seems that the ones that are going to suffer are going to be uh, the classrooms and the students if we don't get a handle on it. So let me say this. Hearty thank you to every one of the men and women who are struggling through this. Hearty thank you to every one of the school teachers that are preparing to teach the children with whatever opportunities are presented to them, whether they're going to be in a classroom or online, a hearty thank you from a grandparent who is saying, I know you guys care about the kids. And I am praying for you that you work out whatever is absolutely best. I don't know what the decision is going to be, but I want you guys to know that I am on team support the teachers. Just like I'm on team support those who are 
you know, the police. I'm on team support, those who care about the community and care about what's best. So I want you guys to know that I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to point fingers. I'm just sitting here trying to offer up a solution for peace, and that's to unify and rally around what this Word of God has to say. So don't be anxious for anything or be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Remember, the Lord is at hand. Utilize that which is the greatest gift we have. You know, we have uh, God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross at Calvary to restore our relationship with God the Father, of course. And he paid the penalty at the cross of Calvary to redeem us from sin. He set us free from the penalty of sin and death, which is hell, that we should rejoice because our names are written in the book of life. Therefore, rejoice in the Lord always. Put things in the right perspective. This needs to be addressed. How do we address it without hurting one another? How do we address it without crushing and not being sensitive to the feelings and that which are the the positions of the other to let them know that they're valuable and they're necessary and their their uh, positions are valid from their perspective whatever that position may be so we can be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let the request be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's awesome that Paul, as he's writing to the this group of people who are in the middle of a terrible conflict. You know, neither side can see the other's point. Neither one wants to come to any resolution. Neither one says we're going to be able to come to some consensus here. He says, help them to work it out and remember the most important things and put those important things first. And then finally, brethren, what is true? Let's delineate those things that are absolutely true. Then right on the heels of that, actually, the, the next step in that is, okay, if that is true, what things are noble? That means high-minded. What is it that are the, the most important things? Not just all of those facts that are true, but what are those things that are in that laundry list of truths that we need to accomplish? Next, you move on to whatever things are just. How do we find that with the balanced scales of justice to be able to do what is right without crushing that which is the other? Next is whatever things are pure. That means things that are not tainted. I'm not doing it to gain an advantage over my brother. I'm doing it just out of the sincerity of my heart because I really do believe this is best. And when motives are not called into question, It is easier for us to be able to gain unity. So we need to be able to get the motives, uh, make sure our motives are pure and our motives are simply to do what is right. It's of a pure heart, a pure motivation. And that's not even the standard. Whatsoever things are lovely. So that means that not only am I looking at those things that are true, but I'm looking at the most valuable things in that list of things that are true. I'm trying to provide them through that balanced scale of justice to find that which is the purity of my conscience and my heart. And now we have to raise it to the level of lovely? Lovely? I don't know if the discussions I've heard about or I've read about or I hear on the radio or I hear people having conversations about concerning these issues of late. I don't think lovely seems to be in the conversation, but it can be. And then whatever things are of good report, that means whatever you would want. If someone were listening in. If someone were to overhear the conversation between you and any other person, perhaps even in the deep secret places that you're having those conversations with your allies, if someone were to overhear that and spread that throughout all of social media, would that be something that you would say, that is lovely? And if it is, great, keep it up. But if it's something that you would say, you know what, I don't really want that to get out. Or I would be ashamed 
if what I said concerning that other person or their view got out or they heard what it is that I said about them. If that is what's going on, then we need to get back on our knees and we need to start that that process over again. Whatever things that are of good report, if there's any virtue, that is things that are purely true, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What are we putting at the forefront of our mind? And certainly we should be putting those things that are of the highest value first, and we need to commit them into uh, give them the place of priority in our lives. Meditate. That means think about continually and consistently. Meditate on these things. And we'll get to the rest in a moment. We have to take another break. Again, the phone number here is area code 609-593-9654-693. Excuse me, 609-593-9654. We are WNJH. Please give us a call. Time for a break. Hello, this is Diane Lombardo with Calvary Chapel Hamilton's Women's Ministry. During this difficult time with so many restrictions, it is easy to get down when we focus on the things we cannot do. I'd like to challenge us all today to focus on those things which we can do. We can call our neighbor to check on them. We can offer to get groceries for the elderly living nearby. We can send a card through the mail to encourage and brighten someone's day. We can be gracious and kind to those who are working at the grocery stores, pharmacies, and other businesses. We can brighten someone's day with just a smile from a distance. We can implement family meals within our home. We can walk around our yards and neighborhoods praying for others. We can thank those who are working on the front lines. We can plant a beautiful garden and share with our friends. We can worship God from our living rooms with live stream options. We can do so many things, even in the midst of having restrictions, in ways we never expected. Together, we can bring beauty and joy to our friends and family. I look forward to seeing the impact you will have. Please share what you're doing on our Facebook page at Calvary Chapel Hamilton. Okay, we're live and we're back without the intro again because technology is not my friend. So here we are again, and I just wanted to uh, thank you all for listening in. Thank you those that are uh, paying attention. Again, the phone number, correct phone number, is area code 609-593-9654. If you want to call in with a question or a comment, we would be happy to entertain that. Uh, However... It is at this time that I would like to, uh, again, address those that are in the middle of this uh, foray. I want to talk to the parents. You know, there are parents out there now who are uh, in the middle of decisions that they have to make concerning the education of their children. Some are homeschooling. You know, and those that, that have continued homeschooling, you know, God bless you as you continue to do that. Uh, you are probably, if you had uh, homeschooled in the past that are now homeschooling now, you're probably not going to be too negatively impacted by the changes. But anybody who is um, relying on the school uh, to be used as an uh, education tool that parents utilize in order to help get their kids educated, then you are in a in a quandary. I don't even know if you know what it is that are the final decisions concerning uh, that which is going to be the education. I don't know if you know what the the technology requirements are going to be for you. Um, So for you, the parents, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And, you know, we at Calvary Chapel are continually and consistently praying for the parents, especially in and around this community, because it is um, so critical that parents, you know, be provided that which is the atmosphere and the environment to be able to have their children educated and still provide for their, um, to be able to get to work. You know, it's one of those things that we used to take for granted. The bus was going to come in the morning and it was going to pick up the kids. And then in the afternoon, the bus was going to drop them off. And if that meant I needed to have somebody meet them at the bus stop or I had to do latchkey or I had to, they had to go to grandmoms or whatever it was that was necessary, it was typically sometime in the morning or sometime in the afternoon. But now it's going to be perhaps several days a week. And we don't know how long that's going to be. And People are at work. Some people are not called back to work. All it will take is one more opening up, um, another stage that the governor approves of an opening up, and there's going to be a whole other mass group of people that are going to go to work. And when they go back to their jobs, they're going to need child care for their kids. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that that is not the primary goal of the education system 
is not childcare. I get that. But it is also one of the benefits of the education system has been the ability for parents to be able to work and for, uh, for the school system to be the provider of a safe place for the children to be while the parents are at work because they have to go to work. So what is the answer for this year? I don't know what the answer is. Uh, there is not a Solomon on the throne to have the wisdom. So we're going to have to rely on those that are making the decision and we will adjust accordingly. And the second prayer is for those who have to make those adjustments, that those adjustments and the resources that they have and need that they can be provided for, you know, um, in many communities, there is not the family slash extended family, perhaps of, as readily available in other as in other communities. You know, and, uh, when you talk about a, a rural community, perhaps you have left much of your family and friends and you now rely upon the school system. And now you're going to have to now hire or engage somebody to take care of that child care issue. And if you do, um, I'm praying for you, too, because that's going to be a decision. I even know in the summer that uh, there are many parents who relied on camp, uh, summer camp, for their kids because they have to continue to work in summer camp. In fact, the day camps, both um, several of them right here in this town, which are excellent, by the way, just for those of you who are keeping score of such things, we have some excellent childcare in this town, that some of those camps have had uh, difficulties in even navigating that which is the ability to open. Uh, have children, what that's going to be like, whether it's going to be safe or even best for uh, the children and, that are going to attend it. It's been a really big deal this year. So we keep that in prayer as we, because things are not open like they were last year. Again, I'm not talking right or wrong. I'm saying radically different, and they are radically different. I think that we need to, we need to change our perspective. And then the last thing I want to leave us with is, I want to leave us with the fact that um, we pray for the school teachers, those who have to make these difficult decisions because it is unpopular no matter what the decision that's going to be made. If the decision is made to go back to school full time, that decision will be unpopular. If the decision is made to distance learn, that decision will be unpopular. There is no win for that, which is the the one who is forced to deal with that, which is the decision, and that's going to be the parent and the teachers. There is no real home run here. As uh, There may be coming in that I haven't seen yet, but right now I haven't seen a home run uh, presented. So we pray for all of you guys that the atmosphere would change, that joy would be the hallmark, that when kids return to school in the next week or two, that they might know joy about it you know there used to be this fun opportunity we used to take the grandkids and go school shopping and get book bags and get everything that the teachers had given them as a list of what they were going to need the items they're going to need for their classrooms and the school and we would take them and they would go pick them out and then of course they would go and they would get their school clothes and find the sneakers that they wanted and you know what a wonderful time it is and now it's like really different uh so we're not quite sure how it is, but some of the joy we can reinstill. We can take and still make it fun for the kids. We can still make it joyful for them. I don't know if they're going to have to wear masks. Do I want them to have to wear masks in school? Frankly, nobody's asked my opinion because they don't want to hear what it is that I have to think about it. I'm not a parent, so I can tell you that right now, I believe they have to wear masks, and if they have to wear masks, let's get them comfortable, healthy masks that are cute. Uh, you know, my granddaughter, she is uh, her school. Uh, they help and encourage art, and one of the things that they have done for her in her art classes, those things that she has done in her art class last year were available for parents, anybody that wanted to purchase them, they can purchase them on useful items. So I have some key rings that have some of my granddaughter's art uh, on them. I have some, you know, bookmarks that have her artwork on them. Well, this year we have now a slew of face masks with her artwork on them. And the school did a brilliant, just a shout out to the school that did this. They did a brilliant thing. 
they allowed the artwork that my granddaughter did, they allowed her artwork to be taken and you can scroll down on the piece of art as to what section you want on your mask because your mask is only so big. And several of the, the pictures that she, I mean, she's 10 years old and she's a beautiful little girl and she does beautiful artwork and she's very colorful. So you wanted to take and you didn't want to miss that which is the sunrise or you didn't want to miss that which is the beautiful rainbow. You didn't want to miss that which is the beautiful color scheme and, uh, you know, and the raindrops that were coming down or the, the watershed, whatever it was that is the beautiful field that she did. You didn't want to miss that. So you could, you could take your mask and you could move it around on the program and then where you clicked, that's the portion of the picture that would be on the mask. And it really came out pretty cool. So the masks are... Uh, you know, are pretty cool. Do I want to wear a mask? Come on, who does? Who got up in the morning and said, oh, please, let us all wear masks today. I would love to wear a mask and keep one in my car. I would love to forget it in the car and when I get halfway into the Walmart, walk all the way back to my car and go get my mask. Nobody said that, but we're in the middle of it. You know, I, again, I've said I, I came through a lot in my life. When I was first driving, nobody had seat belts in their cars. Were they in the cars? Yeah, they were there, but nobody wore them. In fact, many of them, my sister, when she bought her car, she bought it used from a dealership here in town, and the seatbelts had been removed. She could legally buy a car without seatbelts in it from a car dealership, and nobody thought the wiser. However, nowadays, you know, so I remember when the law came in that said, you must wear seatbelts. And I thought, that's really ridiculous. My choice, I should decide whether I want to wear seatbelts or not. I can tell you that not wearing seatbelts is stupid. We should wear seatbelts. They're part of the safety restraints in the car in order to preserve our life in case of an accident. How many times and how many of our friends and family might have been spared some tragedy in their lives had they been wearing seatbelts? Or they had a car perhaps with airbags. You know, I'm, so I'm very glad we have seatbelts. Yes, we have car seats. Who in the world wants to buy a car seat every few years, pay as much as they cost, and then have to buckle a child in a car seat while you're standing in the rain? Nobody says, oh, please, I want to do that. But because it's the safe, right thing to do, we do it. Even if it's just because it's mandated by law, we do it. Therefore, since we have the masks and we walk into the Walmart, we wear the mask. If my grandkids are going to have to wear masks in order to go back to school, if that's what the school decides, then make the masks as, as cute as you can and let us unify around those things that are true and lovely. Let us think about those things that are higher than just my opinion. Let us take those things that are lovely and let our children not be impacted by our views going into school. I don't want them to go into school saying, my grandpa says masks are stupid. I can say I hate masks and I wear them, but I could also say I hate seatbelts, but I wear them. I want to say, look, I, it's not my option, so I wear it. There are other decisions coming down the pike. I don't know what they're going to be, but I want us to be able to be unified. I want us to be uh, of one mind and of one accord when it comes to the decision making and that means we need to take the problem and not get the problem come between us but take the problem and move it outside and we need to come together and face the problem and as we come together to face whatever that problem or these problems are so again just to wrap it all up and to tie it in a nice little box and put a bow on it this is my opinion for the night if we would just take that which is truly important, which is relationships with one another, and put that above that which is my demanding, my right to have my opinion heard. If we can do that, I think we will get to that place where we can say, let us come together, place the problem in front of us collectively, and we can handle it just like we do handling driving in the snow or driving in the fog. It will just be another symbol of that which is a good attribute of those who are in New Jersey, specifically those who are within the hearing of my voice. Wouldn't it be nice if that's what was said of us? If all of a sudden on the national level, they can say, we don't have any idea what's going on in ABC City in the world 
but we know what's going on there in Hamilton, New Jersey. They've got it together. They care about what's important. They care about one another. And as a result of it, their community is growing stronger. I want us to grow stronger. I believe that the core to rally around would then be Jesus Christ. So I pray, and if you'll join me in a word of prayer before we have our closing remarks, join me in prayer. Lord, uh, we ask for peace. We ask for unity, and we ask for um, that which is a calm to come over your people. Here in this town, to those who are within the hearing of my voice, we need to take seriously that which is your command, and that is to be as much as possible to live peaceably among all men, to take those things that are first and put them first, to take those things that are true and lovely and think on those things, to take and esteem our brother better than ourselves, to take the opinions of others and care about the person, even though we may disagree to not be disagreeable. May we bring glory and honor to you in everything that we say and do, in every post, in every message, in every tweet, in every word that comes out of our mouths or that we are overheard saying. May it somehow promote and generate this unity and healing. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for listening to my opinions that are expressed here. And yes, they are my own. All right, before we go, Pastor, why don't you explain what's happening on Wednesday nights real quick? We have an opportunity coming up because things have never been uh, so ramped up radically as they have been in the last six months. I have never seen uh, quite the urgency to get people equipped to know the Bible, to know how to rightly divide this, the word of truth, to know what the Bible says, how to apply it to life circumstances day by day so we can walk in confidence and be those who are the ambassadors of peace. So we have put together a program, and the program begins in just a couple of weeks on Monday and Wednesday nights. It's going to be from 7 o'clock to 8.30, Monday and Wednesday. It will be in person, and it will also be online. Yes, we have desks set up, and yes, we will have distance between, and yes, we will do all of the CDC precautions in order to be able to do it, and we will live stream it, and we will have it you know, in a in the place where there's plenty of ventilation and all of the other safety requirements can be, the CDC requirements can be met. But it is critical that we get equipped, that we know what the Bible says and why God wrote it for us. So there are going to be two classes to begin with. And the first is going to be the life, the work, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is critical that we know who Jesus is, why he came, and what it is that he, what is his purpose, and what he wants for us and from us. And the second is victorious Christian living, how we can have a victorious life. When we face those challenges that seem to be insurmountable, God has the answer. When we face those difficulties that look as though there's no way that we can, can somehow come to a good solution through this, God provides the way. And I want us to be able to have a victorious life. And I only know one way. It's victorious Christian living. Just like I only know one way to have a healthy marriage, and that's to put Jesus Christ in the center of it. I only know one way to be able to have uh, fullness of joy and freedom from sin and assurance of salvation and uh, abundant joy. And that is to fully commit to know who Jesus Christ is and to commit my ways to him, get to know his word. So we're going to do that and it's going to be a, a journey and it will take three years to go through the entire course because you just can't get it all in uh, one semester. But this is this is now going to be done by semesters and they will, uh, at the end of three years, they will then continue and they will repeat and we're going to get everybody uh, that is willing to come. This is open to anyone to come. It is to the whosoever's of the world. Again, you can not only uh, come in person, but you can check us out online. It will be available. Yes, there will be homework. Yes, there will be assignments. Yes, there will be papers due because this is that level of course. And uh, again, it is to invite people who really want to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to plug that on Wednesday evenings, not on Mondays. Mondays is uh, adults only. But on Wednesday evening, there will also be Awana. That is a wonderful program for your children all the way up to eighth grade. And they will be involved in this Awana program. Awana stands for 
approved workers are not ashamed, but that is uh, on the order of uh, Pioneer Club slash Royal Rangers, uh, Boy Scouts, but it's Christian-based, Bible-based, of course, since we do it at the church. And it is the Awana program. It is a, you know, it is a nationwide, in fact, globally recognized. So you can research it and see exactly what it is that your kids are going to get into. And uh, we are going to provide that for the children because we believe that it's necessary to get them equipped, to get them to know what the Bible has to say. And uh, first thing they need to know is that Jesus loves them and God has a purpose for their life. So if you want to know that God loves you and God has a purpose for your life, I encourage you to come out. You can come out Sunday mornings. We have two services, one at 9 and one at 1030. Um, We meet in person up to the number that is permitted. And then we have availability to meet online. Also, second services live streamed, the 1030 services available on the web. So please tune in if you don't feel comfortable showing up. And there is child care soon to be provided. There's nursery currently, but next month there will be some Sunday school opening up, of course, with all the restrictions, temperature checks and wellness and all that uh, to keep everybody as safe as we possibly can. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share this. I hope to see you uh, come out to this. It will be a wonderful opportunity to not only be able to share these truths, but to get to know you. So may God richly bless you. Thanks again, Rick. Oh, you're very welcome, Pastor. And the YouTube channel is Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Uh, You can find that on YouTube. And as always, as the pastor said, Wednesday night, please come out. Last week was our first round of it. It was very annoying and you kept Brian in check too so that was a good thing and then don't forget every Sunday there are two services as the pastor said 9 o'clock is not streamed and if you can't make it out you can always stream the 1030 service until we meet again next week I'll see you folks tomorrow at 2 o'clock everybody have a great night thank you for joining us and listening to the Carpenter Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for the Carpenter Son on WNJHradio.com Thank you.